The charm of Chinese medicine is that if you're interested in it, it can suit your personal learning style, and we can just keep on getting better and better at what we do. I'm Michael Max, and this is Geological. I read something the other day from Seth Godin, Uncle Seth, as I like to call him. I imagine him to be the quirky uncle I never had, but hope that I could be to someone else. The guy with a different point of view, who doesn't make a big deal out of being different, but doesn't go with the status quo. Not that he rails against it, just gives it a pass. And rather than engage for the sake of argument or to fight the system, he just goes about the business of building a better and more effective system. Why rage against the machine when you can solve the problems created by the machine? Less suffering that way for everyone, not to mention an untapped market for your solution. Uncle Seth wrote something about busy people, and it's not because I'm a busy person that I cottoned to what he had to say. It's because I feel like I frequently fail that I found his thoughts on being busy to be deeply reassuring. I'm going to share his words with you in a moment, but I want to first set the background for why they touched me in the way that they did. You see, when I look at my life and I look at how I thought the future would turn out, or how a particular choice or course of action might set me up for what I wanted, I'm frequently wrong. Not just a little wrong, totally wrong, curveball wrong. Wrong to the degree that at times I truly do wonder why I'm not living in the street in rags. I'm not kidding about this. The mistakes and flawed choices I've made seem to vastly outweigh the times I've had a clear sense that turned out to be right. It makes me feel like there must be guardian angels out there and mine are working overtime. I've had this story about myself for a long time, and then I read this. Here's the title, Ask a Busy Person. You might know one. The busy person has a bias for action, the ability to ship, and a willingness to contribute more than is required. The busy person is wrong more than most people. Parentheses, if you get up to bat more often, you're going to have more hits and more strikeouts, right? Unparentheses. Those errors are dwarfed by the impact they create. Being a busy person is a choice. It might not work for you, but you could try it out for a while. We need more busy people. It was this part, the busy person is wrong more than most people. If you get up to bat more often, you're gonna have more hits and more strikeouts. For some reason, I've been biased towards noticing the strikeouts. And I think it's true. The more we try, the more we fail. And if the more we fail, the more we try, well, something good can come of that. But it might not bear much resemblance to what we imagined success would look or feel like. I didn't realize that the long list of failures were actually iterative steps in learning something new. It's not really about failure. It's about cultivating the persistence to keep at it. Hey friends, welcome to episode 100, which oddly enough, falls on the second anniversary of the publishing of Geological. What began as an experiment with my first podcast, Everyday Acupuncture, almost five years ago, because someone said to me, the people that listen to your podcast are not the same as those who are going to read your website. It turned me on to a path that is bringing us what we're listening to today. Back then I had a hunch. Now I've got something that more and more resembles a media company. It started more as a tickle to my curiosity than building a strategy for my business. 
Sometimes you just don't know where things are going to take you. At the beginning of a worthwhile endeavor, we are usually confronted with a feeling that things might not work. But then again, they might work. But if they do, it's often in unimaginable ways. This for me has been one of the benefits of having a business instead of having a job because I can follow my hunches, nudges, and inspiration. You can too. Yesterday, I got a postcard from Australia. I've heard from people in Ireland, Germany, the UK, Canada, Israel, Italy, gosh, all over the United States, Brazil, Portugal. You know, I'm a little tongue-in-cheek when I say geological international, but the internet does connect us in this way. It's a powerful tool that brings out both the best and the worst in us. And I'm delighted that a community of respect and inquiry has grown up around the podcast. I'm truly and deeply grateful that all of you have come along on this experiment with me. And you know what? It's no longer an experiment. It's part of how we connect and learn from each other in the electronic Chinese medicine world. And in the coming year, you'll see some expansion of the podcast in ways that seek to help us all learn more from each other. And of course, geological is us. If you've been inspired by a teacher or an author or the work of a colleague, please let me know about them. I love meeting practitioners who are contributing to our medicine and have a point of view that we might not yet have heard much about. We're about to get into a conversation here with Diana Mall. It's not often that I get a handcrafted postcard, and that turned out to be her ticket to getting here on the anniversary show. So we're going to be getting into pigs, rabbits, herb games, navigating a practice in mid-career, and what's in Michael Max's refrigerator. All right, let's get into this anniversary discussion about medicine. And again, thanks everyone for making Geological what it is. These conversations come to you through the generous support of our sponsors and members. All the sponsors here provide helpful products or services that you'll find beneficial in your clinical work. Worried that an EMR is too complex for you? Jane has friendly and knowledgeable support. Mayway Herbs is celebrating the 55th year of their family business. You're invited to make use of their vast library of resources. Are you concerned about the health of Mother Earth? AccuFast Needles is doing something about that. You can too. And later in the show, Ancestral Sturman offers up a sinew treatment, and the folks at Blue Poppy have something special to share as well. Do be sure to visit the sponsors page on the Geological website to take advantage of all the special offers our terrific sponsors have for listeners of the podcast. I don't know about you, but sometimes I take a step back and marvel at my acupuncture needles. I mean, they're the world's simplest medical tool, a sharpened wire and a handle. That's it. And with this simple tool, hundreds of health conditions can be resolved. I love it. What I didn't love was the amount of packaging waste I generated at the end of the day. But that has now changed too. Ever since I switched to AccuFast Earth-Friendly Needles, I reduced my packaging waste by 90%. Not only are they a great needle, but the folks at AccuFast plant a tree for every two boxes of needles I use in the clinic. By switching to AccuFast Needles, you'll be helping patients, planting trees, and joining a community of practitioners changing the world. Like our simple needle, being a part of this solution, it's simple too. Visit 
AccuFastNeedles.com slash Geological to learn how. Hi folks, I'm Yvonne Lau, president of Mayway Herbs. Our family business turns 55 this year, and we wouldn't have gotten this far without the love and support of our community. We're truly grateful and promise you that we'll continue to work hard to support you and your practice. Please visit Mayway.com to find the perfect Pumsar brand formula or formulate your own in our dispensary. Our site also has lots of articles, videos, and herbal recipes for you to explore. And tune into our podcast, Chinese Medicine Matters, for insightful discussions on all things TCM. Learn about treatment strategies and powerful herbal remedies. As we welcome the month of May, our focus is on women's health. Our newsletter articles and podcast episodes this month will highlight different aspects and unique challenges women face. So subscribe or tune in. And if you're a practitioner, get a discount on our women's health formulas this month. Just visit Mayway.com. This season and every season, trust Mayway Herbs for your health and wellness needs. And thank you for supporting Real Chinese Medicine. I love how technology can help to automate my office. And I want to share with you my favorite tool for doing so, Jane. Jane is a clinic management software in EMR with a human touch. Whether you're switching your software or going paperless for the first time, the Jane team knows that the onboarding process can feel a little overwhelming. That's why with Jane, you don't just get software, you get a whole team. Included in every Jane subscription is their award-winning customer support available by phone, email, and chat whenever you need it, even Saturdays. You can also book a free account setup consultation to review your account and ensure you feel confident about going live. If you're interested in making the switch to Jane, head to jane.app switch to book a one-on-one demo with a member of their support team. And be sure to mention the code Geological at the time of sign-up for a one-month grace period on your new Jane account. Hey friends, welcome back to Geological. Welcome back to the third year of Geological. We're just completing two years of Geological right now. This is the anniversary show. I am delighted to have Diana Mall with me. Diana is an acupuncturist from the very edge of the continent out in Santa Cruz, California. And um, we kind of got hooked up because, you know, I got this thing about postcards and she sent me a postcard, but it, well, it's, I mean, I've gotten great postcards. All y'all that have sent me postcards, thank you so much. It's been great. It makes me really happy. Diana's postcard, though, totally got my attention. This thing, not only does it have this gorgeously painted pig on it, it is, it, it's kind of a slightly curious size. It's got these really lovely rounded corners. It's thick. It's like super thick. It's got this, it, it's just, beautiful. It's this wonderful handmade thing. It's like, it's a treasure. It's actually a bit of treasure art. And so I thought, yep, okay, we're looking for people sending in postcards, wanted to get on the show. Diana's postcard got her on the show. Diana, welcome to Geological. Thank you. Um, This is what blushing sounds like. (laughs) (laughs) Blushing on the internet. Absolutely. Well, I'm so glad that you loved the pig. Now, that pig was actually made for the year of the pig 12 years ago. And, right. And it's I've a seasoned been, pig. I've been carrying that pig around and quite a few of its friends for 12 years. 
Um, and so, of course, I had to cover the back with something because it had year of the last year of the pig on there. Yeah, that was the fire pig back then. Now we got the earth pig. Right. So that pig looks, you know, a little a little more barbecued than our earth pig would mm-hmm. look. Okay. Did you do an earth pig this year as well? Or I did not. I was just, I was a little too busy. And over the years, I've found that I would send like the animals out to patients or patients that I hadn't seen for a while. And then I would see them during the year and they would say, oh, I got your card. It's on my refrigerator. But somehow that never really turned into them making an appointment. Mm-hmm. So as a as a um, promotional event, it wasn't working so well. I see. But obviously, there are some people for whom postcards do grab. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, I'm one of them. (laughs) I'm one of those postcard guys. Yeah. So I want to get a little bit into some of your background here. You've been an acupuncturist for like 20 years. But before that, apparently, you were doing art. You're still doing art. So I'm suspecting that you did art way back then. What got you into art and then eventually turned you around and, and into an acupuncturist? Well, I've sort of always done art. I think some of my earliest memories is from doing art. I have a vivid memory of drawing rabbits in a flying saucer. How old were you? I think I was five. Of course, my parents tried to kind of dissuade me from from being an artist, and they would much rather that I was something a little more stable. But somehow I... I did end up graduating with a degree in art from the University of Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. And then for many years, I worked as um, a graphic designer. And that was in the time when graphic design was, you know, paced up in layout and wasn't on the computer. And we got to work with sharp things like X-Acto knives. I loved X-Acto knives when I was right? a kid. Yes. I mean, they're the best. And plus, the name is great, right? Exacto. I know. It makes you feel like you're doing something good. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So around the time that everything started transferring to computers, I decided that I really didn't want to spend my life looking at a monitor, although it seems like these days I'm doing that quite a bit. But in, you know... Monitors are a lot better now than they used to be. And but yeah, but you saw your profession changing. You saw it shifting. It was going from this very hands-on mm-hmm. to a virtual experience in many ways. I came into computers right about that time. I used to teach people how to use PageMaker. <laughs> you traitor. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, we, we came, you know, I, I kind of fallen into computers by mistake. Because mm-hmm. I never had any interest in computers, but you know, then years later, all of a sudden, that that's what I'm doing for a living. Right. And PageMaker was cool. I was working for a computer training company, and we had some pretty sharp people, some pretty forward-looking people, and so we were looking to teach people to use PageMaker, but we weren't just like, oh, hey, look, here's some cool software, use it. We we brought on people that were graphic designers, so that 
that you could actually talk about, look, just because you can make a flyer doesn't mean you should. Exactly. And that, that there's a whole process behind the computer piece. And if you don't know that, your work will suffer. That's good. I like that. Yeah. I approve. You know, we see the same thing these days. Anyone can have a, a, a TV show or a podcast, right? Anyone can have their own radio station or their own television station. It doesn't mean that it's good just because there's a billion things on YouTube. Yeah, just because you can do it. Doesn't mean you should. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, back when I was a graphic designer, we would say, yeah, anyone can have a business card made. Mm-hmm. No, it doesn't mean that you're actually in business or that your business is good. <laughs> so true. So things started to change and you're thinking, all right, maybe not this. Why Chinese medicine? That's a long way from graphics. It's not that far. Not that far. Not that far. Walk, um, walk me down that path. <laughs> well, so for a few years before I signed up at Five Branches, a friend of mine had been getting me to do like some hands-on healing stuff like Reiki. And I went through Rosalind Briere's uh, crucible course up in our area. Um, Rosalind, Rosalind Briere wrote Wheels of Light and she did a lot of, you know, it was a lot of chakra healing, a lot of hands-on healing. She did um, a certain amount of trance mediumship. So basically I was learning hands-on Qigong healing. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, around the time that I made my decision, you know, I had been, at that time I was a volunteer at the local radio station and we did, you know, a lot of fundraisers and auctions. And they put me on the health table because I was able to pronounce Ayurvedic. And I got to, I got to know an acupuncturist who was auctioning off some treatments. And she said, Hey, why don't you come in and have a treatment? And I did. And, you know, it was one of those, Oh my God, mind blown moments. Mm -hmm. This is, this is how, how good a person can feel. And that really stuck with me so that in that sort of transitional moment of trying to decide what I was going to do, I thought, eh, why don't I, why don't I be an acupuncturist? Cause it would be nice to have people feel good, mm -hmm. basically. Fortunately, in my first years at UCSC, or my first year, actually, I had gotten um, all the science requirements because I had been placating my parents by saying that I was going to be a veterinarian. Aha. Oh, that's very sneaky. I'll be a veterinarian. Look, I'm actually an artist. Ooh, how did that happen? Right. Oops. But I took all these science classes. And so- Lucky um for you. Two weeks after I applied and my interview, I was going to school. Wow. Yeah, it was fast track. Holy smokes. That was like the complete opposite of me. I argued with myself for years about it. And then I had to get myself set up that I could still kind of manage to work and go to school at the same time and get all my prerequisites done before going to school. And yeah, you know, I've, I've talked to a couple of people now. There was one guy I had on the show a little while back. He overheard somebody at a restaurant say they were going to acupuncture school. Mm -hmm. And he just went and signed up. <laughs> <laughs> that is what I call a very clear Shen. That is amazing. Isn't it? Super clear that. Shen. Super clear, yeah. right? You just overhear it. Oh, yeah, right. That's a good idea. 
Right. That fits me, even though the comment wasn't to me. Yes. Well, okay. So, so in my defense, are you familiar with, I'm sure you're familiar with Rob Bresney, right? Oh yeah. 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 He's like a local guy for you, right? Totally local. So back in the mid nineties, his uh, astrology column was called Real Astrology. Mm-hmm. I think he calls it like free will astrology now. But back then, it was called real astrology. And I remember having this moment of like, okay, am I going to go to acupuncture school? Oh, my God, I hope I make some money. Um, am I not going to go? You know, what am I going to do? And I was trying to figure out a way to like, get through school and not get debt. And I and I opened up a copy of whatever had Rob Bresney's horoscope in it. And I read the horoscope for Aries, which is me. And the very last sentence of that horoscope said, if you're going to try to get away with something, you might as well try to get away with everything. <laughs> and that spoke to your Shen. And that spoke to my Shen. I just said, okay, let's try to get away with everything. That's fabulous. <laughs> so I guess these things do show up. You know, these, these mm-hmm. super clear signs really do show up from time to time. Little post-its from the universe. Post-its from the universe. Ooh, I like that. That, uh, oh my God, you could do a whole art project with that, couldn't you? I'm sure people have. I hope so. Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, we're going to have to do it, right? Oh God, just when I need one more thing, please. <laughs> please, I do not need one more thing. But, you know, speaking of projects, you've got an herb game called Acupuncture Apocalypse. Herb apocalypse. Herb apocalypse. That's right. Sorry, I, I miss uh, misspoke it. Herb apocalypse. So, apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah. Apocalypse is in. Yeah. So, well, I know apocalypse is in. I mean, I've watched. <laughs> I've watched Umbrella Academy. I know all about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. So originally, it had been called Herb Apothecary. Hmm. Because it was suggested by one of the publishers who was originally interested in it that it be kind of more sort of a Harry Potter thing. Then that publisher decided they really didn't want to have anything to do with it. And so I just changed the name, you know, Clean Slate. And Apocalypse felt so much more kind of very now and futuristic. Tell me more about Apocalypse. I think I chose Apocalypse because, one, it seemed totally rad. (laughs) Two, (laughs) which is important, right? I'm with you. (laughs) I would not argue. (laughs) Two, I feel like we are literally in kind of apocalyptic times. You know, you, you look at the politics all the stuff that's happening all around the world, the climate change, people are so polarized everywhere. You know, we really have no idea what's going to happen. So I don't know if people are going to be riding around on their solar motorcycles with my game. And <laughs> Hey, Alon, Alon, we need solar motorcycles. <laughs> Well, I've also heard Apocalypse, and I can't remember who mentioned this to me, but there's, there's, you know, another meaning, which is not disaster and it's all falling apart, but that it's, that there's a kind of veil that's being taken away. There's a screen being taken away. There's a, a clarity of thought, experience, and being that, that comes through that 
process. Oh, nice. I hadn't heard of that. I like that, though. I have heard of it. I can't put a footnote on it and tell you who it was, and I can't put a footnote on it and, and you know tell you where that meaning is in the dictionary, but I'll see if I can find that and put it in the show notes. Well, what it sounds like is that would be the interpretation of a tarot card that was called Apocalypse. Uh-huh. Like when you pull this card, then this is what that actually means. Yeah. This is the result of the apocalypse. Yeah. Not not you know, in I mean, when I think about the people that come to see you and the people that come to see me, they're usually in the midst of all some kind of distress. Right? Things mm-hmm. are kind of falling apart. Mm-hmm. They're hoping things are gonna fall together, but at the moment they're falling apart. And, uh, and, and they're hoping that there's something on the other side, you know, where you kind of deal with that sort of creative, destructive energy all the time in the work that we do. Right. And the fact that it is falling apart means that you can kind of put the pieces back together a little more easily than if it wasn't falling apart. Well, I found sometimes if you want to reconstellate something, it's got to come, it's got to come unglued enough that it can be reconfigured at a, at a higher order of of function falling apart is part of falling together we are walking apocalypses we are walking apocalypses oh or my is it God. apocalypse i uh i don't know the plural i mean i you know most people figure one apocalypse is enough but uh, <laughs> right <laughs> let's not overcomplicate matters let's, let's not tell us a little bit about the game where did that where did that inspiration come from other than you like to draw beautiful things well um years ago when i was in school, I actually did make an herb game. And it was it was simpler than this, but I kept it. And so whenever I moved, which tends to be fairly frequently, I would like look at it and say, oh yeah, I remember that herb game. So it was kind of constantly, <laughs> every few years it was in my my little brain pan. And so I guess it was New Year's of 2015. My son and I were talking about games that we had played when he was small and we had played quite a few and that that sort of brought back memories again of the herb game that I had made but then I started thinking well what if it was a little more complicated than just I think it was the original one was just matching temperatures and like that Um, and what if what if I made it so everyone could play and what if it introduced some of the kind of basic concepts of Chinese medical theory. And so then it started coming together in my mind. I made some very crude prototypes. And about that time I was on Facebook and Singing Dragon was advertising for, um, they wanted to expand their offering and they were looking for people who might have TCM comics or graphic novels or something like that. Do you remember that? No, I don't remember that, but I think TCM Comics would be fun. Yeah, or a graphic novel. I I would actually love to do a graphic novel. So I contacted them, and Jessica Kingsley, I was like all fangirl that she immediately texted or texted me back. I think she was texting me, um, said, yes, we're interested in your game. And so that got, that sort of gave me enough fire to really develop it more and get the mechanics right, which my son helped me with. He's, he's a gamer. 
And so that we would get the rhythm right. And, you know, you're not playing and playing. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're totally bored. So I was in, I was in contact with her fairly frequently, but then they decided, well, it doesn't have a wide enough appeal, which I can totally understand. Sure. I mean, it's, it's Chinese medicine students. Yeah. Or we'll get to this later. People who just like to play games. So, but I, I, I had it, you know, it was solid then and just the art needed to be done. So I was grateful to her for giving me that inspiration and that motivation. So they didn't publish it. You ended up self-publishing it. It's all self-published. This is one of the super cool things about the times that we live in, you know, talking about the thing that took you away. One of the things that took you away from graphics into Chinese medicine was, Oh God, you know, people are doing their own thing, but now here we are 20 years down the, down the road. Oh, you don't want to publish my thing or, Oh God, I don't want to deal with a gatekeeper somewhere. Right. Fine. I'll publish my own. Right. Yeah. And so anyway, I had all the art. I have a friend who is a much more talented, um, you know, digital artist than I am. And so she took it and she made it look like a game. This game would not be here without Renee Perry. She's amazing. Thanks, Renee. So how do you let people know about this? I mean, other than we're talking about it on the podcast right now. Well, so far, I've just I've just posted it on Facebook. What's the response been? It's been good. Um, cool. I got I got 50 published uh, for 50 printed to start. They sold out. And then I got an, I've gotten another um, I did another printing of 100. And so I, at this point, I think I've sold about 70. Great. Yeah. Hello, everyone. Anne Cecil Sturman here. A working knowledge of the eight extraordinary channels from the unbroken oral tradition of acupuncture is valuable beyond words. The power of these channels is tremendous if the practitioner has well-integrated diagnostic, theoretical and practical skill. You'll be familiar with Dumai, the governor channel or the sea of Yang, the primal reservoir of Yang, which ultimately finances all movement and growth. But this channel also governs the ability to self-determine. The psycho-emotional presentation of your patients can be matched to a classical activation of this channel, clearing impedance in the free flow of Yang Qi to body, mind and spirit. I'd like to share with you the marvelous potency of the Do channel in a full-length live treatment video from the seminar I taught last year in Melbourne, Australia. It's at ancecilsturman.com forward slash sinews2024. Click on the jump to free teaching button or see the link on my Instagram page at ancecilsturman. Thanks, Michael. Back to you. I remember when I was in Chinese medicine school, I would make flashcards. Mm-hmm. I spent ridiculous amount of time making flashcards and then walking around Green Lake in, in Seattle reading my flashcards and, you know, talking with friends and we'd quiz each other on our flashcards. And man, it would have been fun to have games like this. I mean, I, I just, I just want to throw one out here. I've not played the entire game. I just looked through some of the cards, love the artwork. Uh, and this is one of the things that I love about Chinese medicine. I mean, you've got a question here that to me is like emblematic of why Chinese medicine is so flipping cool. Because, you know, people come in and they go, oh, I got XYZ condition. What's the herb for that? Mm-hmm. 
And we know that there is no herb for, you know, XYZ condition because it's it's way more nuanced than that. But you got this great card here with this guy with a quizzical look on his face. It says two patients arrive at the same time. One has constipation and abdominal pain. The other has difficult diarrhea. There's one herb that can help them both. <laughs> I, I mean, this is why Chinese medicine, I mean, to me, this is why Chinese medicine is so damn difficult and so damn fun. Right. And I think that part of what I'm hoping to do with the game when I bring it to people who are outside of Chinese medicine is to introduce them to the concept of, you know, there's different kinds of phlegm, there's different kinds of colds, there's different kinds of coughs. And if they're treated correctly, you'll get over them better. Then, for instance, if you take an antihistamine, that's not in the game. That's not in right. Yeah. And, <laughs> well, that's just going to dry you out. Right. If and you got, trap, if, trap the robber. And trap the robber. Yeah. That's what happened to me. That's why I ended up going to Chinese medicine 20 years later. You know, Your robber got trapped? My robber got trapped. Yeah. I had, I had, I still do get respi respiratory system for me is my weak system. Um, but yeah, I had issues with my respiration that Western medicine never could touch. And anytime they try to touch it, they usually made it a little bit worse. Um, Chinese medicine friend of mine badgered me into going to get acupuncture at one point, And I finally relented to shut him up. And uh, <laughs> seriously, I, I was, I was not keen on the idea, but it changed things. You know, as you know, I mean, I had a similar experience as you. I got a treatment and I went, what was that? Mm -hmm. That got my attention. It really got my attention. Yeah. I mean, it's such an expansion of the way we're used to feel. feel. Yes. You know, what the normal is. And then it just gets completely broken apart. Yeah. I mean, I think this is why people often are so confused in our clinics. They get off the table and they're like, oh, my God, you know, I feel really good. Is it just in my head? Because they they just don't have a way of hanging an experience on it, and and so they just think, oh, I'm maybe I'm making this up. You know, I'm like dreaming something up here. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, the they they're like, oh, well, it's placebo, right? I mean, placebo is legitimate, but it's a little more than that because we can continually create the same effect. Yes. And, and all kinds of things. What does your practice look like these days? Well, it's it's pretty small. You know, I work th three to four days a week, just kind of half days. And the reason for that is that I live in a town where there's a school. So there's a lot of acupuncturists. There's literally 10 acupuncturists in the th three or four block radius around my office. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, but they're, they're all wonderful practitioners. And there's, there's not a lot of extra money around Santa Cruz. It's one of the most expensive places to live. So my practice looks like just taking Medi-Cal patients, mostly just Medi-Cal. Um, and that pays pretty good around here. I don't have to do a lot of outreach to get patients in. They just read the, the Medi-Cal brochure and go, oh, yes, I would like some acupuncture. Yes, and she's right down the street. Exactly. And and so it's really pretty easy 
to get patients in and, you know, get them on a maintenance schedule or even something that's like more once a week if they have a pretty severe um, pain syndrome, mm -hmm. which I feel like is how the medicine is supposed to be practiced. You know, you see people regularly, you have a relationship, and you don't have to worry about the money. Before I started taking Medi-Cal, the money was always an issue with people, always. And I don't think that helps. Well, for people that don't have the money, it, it's a huge barrier. Yeah. Giant barrier. Yeah. Well, so you say that a lot of people come because of the Medi-Cal brochure. I'm curious, how many of them first go and stalk you first and look at your website? <laughs> you know, I don't think anyone has looked at my website. Seriously? Seriously. Except you. Well, I think you're the I, only one. <laughs> I do stalk my guests. That's true. I, I like to see what their websites look like. But I, I mean, my experience is even though people will get referred to me, they're still going to go look at my website. It's like, all right, who is this character you, you know, you're sending mm -hmm. me to? Mm -hmm. and, and I mean, so the reason I ask is because you have a website with a name that like has very little to do with Chinese medicine. I mean, if you were looking for like, you know, Chinese medicine and, and you thought of the name of your website, you probably wouldn't find it. Right. It's, it's a little obscured, isn't it? It's a little obscure. Chi paper? So long ago, I had read that, you know, you needed to have a blog, you know, and this was like in the beginning of social media. Well, it does help. Um, and that, and that that would bring in, bring in patients. And so I started the Chi papers. Mm. And at first I was writing about Chinese medicine, but then I was also writing about rabbits. Um, and the rabbit posts were a lot more popular than the Chinese medicine posts. Um, and so I fell down the rabbit hole, literally, and got to know a lot of rabbit people. And, um, and now actually I'm, I'm pretty well connected in the, in the rescue rabbit world. Yes, I, I see that on your website. You are listed as a rabbit whisperer. Actually, maybe ra rather a rabbit mumbler. Mm-hmm. And you were drawing rabbits when you were five years old in spaceships. I was, you know, and once again, um, a post-it from the universe, mm -hmm. you know, obsessed with rabbits, even at a young, young age. Yes. Tell us more about rabbits. Well, I work with rescue rabbits. I just, I go to the adoption shows where we have the rescue rabbits and people can come and meet them and possibly give them a forever home. And I am the nail trimmer and I help do the health checks. And these are checks so that people know what to look at when their rabbit is home, you know, sort of veterinary red flags. Mm -hmm. Basically, you know, if, if your rabbit is drooling or has a runny nose or something like that, you have to take it to the vet. Mm -hmm. But I do the whole, you know, sort of a full body scan, um, how to go over your rabbit. Have you acupunctured rabbits? You know, I have acupunctured my own rabbits, mm -hmm. um, and I'm not, I can't say it worked super well. I've done more laser on rabbits, and that seemed to work better. Mm -hmm. um, I've had other people acupuncture my rabbits, and it seemed to work better for them. I think it's sort of the thing of, sometimes it's hard to treat your own family. Absolutely. Oh, my God. It's so true. Yeah. But they seem to like they seem to like the lasers. Yeah, they're good with lasers, um, and I've it seems to work really well with pain. Okay, can we go down another rabbit hole from your website? Yeah, go for it. Okay, Leningrad 
Summer Palace, 1964. Photo of your parents. I was going to say, wait, how how was that on my website? It's on your website. Oh, because on your website, you have a little thing about oh. autofictionography. You've got you've got a book called Assemblage. You have really done your stalking. Well, you know, I I I like following interesting things, and your website is interesting. It's full of unusual things, and that photo of your parents is fantastic. But then when I looked <laughs> underneath it, and it said, "Well, first of all, you got this great opening line for your story. Let's begin with the dad. That's pretty cool." And then there's this photo of your parents in 1964, Summer Palace, Leningrad. 1964, that's the height of the Cold War. What are your parents doing in Leningrad? I don't know. So um, my father my father was um, an electrical uh, professor at Stanford University. And, you know, they get to take um, sabbaticals once a year. And he decided he wanted to go to Denmark. And so in 1964, when I was six years old, we went to Denmark. And somehow he had met an electrical engineer from the USSR, you know, as it was then. And I, I don't remember the circumstances, but he was invited to go to, to Russia while um, we were in Denmark. And so, of course, he did. Because he's a fair, he was a fairly adventurous guy. Yeah, I mean, why not take an opportunity like that? Right. Yeah. And so that's what that picture is from. That that's from their trip to Russia. I did not go get to go at that point. I guess I didn't want a six year old tagging along. Which <laughs> <laughs> seems, you know, you can't blame them. You know, safety minded, safety first. Safety minded, right. <laughs> And so that's what that picture's from. And later, the same professor, what was his name? Professor Tuchkevich. Professor Tuchkevich came and um, stayed with us in California for a couple months while he was doing some work. And I must have been maybe, maybe 10 then. Mm -hmm. So it was still during the Cold War. Wow. Well, evidently your dad had some sort of, uh, some sort of mojo to be able to you know, blend through those boundaries and, and actually have a colleague, you know, from the evil empire. Right. They weren't calling it evil empire yet in those days, but they were close, you know, to be able to come here as well. That's, that, that's quite astonishing. I mean, when I think back um, on some of my parents' doings, I'm kind of astonished, but at the time it seemed like completely normal that, you know, some guy from Russia would be staying in our house. Um, <laughs> what other kinds of doings? What are you thinking about? Well, um, so for instance, when China opened up, or even before that, there were a lot of Chinese coming to the electrical engineering department at Stanford. And so my dad had quite a few Chinese friends. And this was before, I want to say, when was it that Nixon went to China and James Rustin got his appendicitis and things kind of opened up? Yeah, you know, I, I'm an acupuncturist. I'm supposed to know the date, but I don't. I think it's 72. That sounds about right. Yeah, in that area. In that area. So like even before that, he had a lot of Chinese friends through his work and a lot of Japanese friends. And actually, we were, I was really fortunate because they would 
be giving him gifts. And so um, we had a lot of really beautiful Japanese prints in um, the house when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, I took them completely for granted. Well, still, you know, the, the, the young budding artist in you probably couldn't help but take notice. Yeah. No. And, you know, like they would, one of the, I think it was one of the Russian students or a student of Tuchkevich um, drew my father's portrait. Um, and so that, that pencil drawing was always part of wherever my parents lived. You know, that, that was a very special portrait for them. Oh, wow. It's so funny sometimes to look back on our history, bits and pieces. My, my brother is visiting here in the States right now. He lives in Holland. He and his son are here. And we've been looking at some old pictures, you know, from when we were, when we were kids. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, stuff that you never think about back in that day. And, and you look back on it and go, huh. On occasion, you can see these, these like oddball pivotal moments in something, right? The way somebody was dressed or an expression or, you know, the way two people were together. There's just funny little things that kind of go to the core of making us who we are. Um, there's something else. I hope you won't think I'm too much of a stalker, but there's something else. Because <laughs> I was really enjoying the little read of your book there on, on Amazon. I, I read the, uh, you know, the opening part. Let's begin with the dad. But there's a little thing on the back cover that says, while attending college, she tried to get into a creative writing class, but she did not make the cut. <laughs> However, she does have a third grade report card that notes she worked very hard on her creative writing skills. So I read that and it, it, again, it's like one of these little snapshot things. I think about different parts in my life and, and I suspect all you out there in radio land listening to this, you probably have had these experiences too, where there was something that you wanted or there was something that you thought you could do, or there was something that your heart was just kind of drawn toward. And someone came along and said, no, you can't do that. You're not good enough right? Or you're not whatever. You can't do that. And and yet there is that part of us that wants to do it. And there's the part of us that tries hard. And there's a part of us that doesn't care that we're not good at it yet. We just want to do it. And I'm wondering, I mean, I think about like the practice of acupuncture because, you know, this is not the kind of thing where you go to school for three years and you get out and you know what you're doing. That's for sure. It's the kind of thing you go to school for a few years for you get out and now you get to try to figure out what you're doing. Um, you know, you've been at this for 20 years now. I am wondering. <laughs> right? Yeah, yes, you have. <laughs> so what is it that gets you through those times where it's like you want to do it, but you actually got no idea what you're doing? I think early on, I realized that if I thought I knew what, what was going to happen, that the treatment wouldn't go right. That I had to keep my mind completely open or else I wasn't going to, I was going to miss a detail that could have been pivotal in, in getting the treatment to go, to go right. And so every time I see a patient, it's that, you know, it's new and it's scary because I feel like I should, I should know something by now, mm-hmm. but I don't because everyone's different and every moment is different and every day is different. Well, there's that, there's also that piece about 
what our society says about medical practitioners, which is a good medical practitioner knows what the hell they're doing, right? If you're a good medical practitioner, you know what the situation is, you know what you're doing, you know how to take care of it. Chinese medicine is a bit different. How is it right now? Can I connect with how it is right now? Can I forget just enough of what I think I know about somebody to actually see who they are now? And I think, you know, when we look at, for instance, Master Dong's um, points for the different nodes, you know, they're starting to key into how the time changes and how our bodies change through those nodes. They're kind of laying a little bit of groundwork there. I am not familiar with this part of uh, Master Dong's work. So I'm not a Master Dong professional, um, but I have taken some classes on eLotus. And there's one called Balancing Through the Seasons. One of my teachers at Five Branches, um, Lu Ming, did a lot of uh, astrology with the nodes. And so for me, it was really exciting to find that Master Dong had put some specific points for each of the nodes. The nodes are like kind of mini seasons. There's 24 nodes in, in the year. This is like stems and branches stuff? Um, I guess so, yeah. But a little bit different. It's a little different. Um, I always found the stems and branches a little too confusing. I mean, I, I'm sure if I sat down and made a game about it, I would be fine. <laughs> but <laughs> but so far, I, I kind of look at it and I have a little problem with numbers and math and it's just too numbery for me. And so my brain shuts off. But anyway, so Master Dung has specific points for specific nodes. And actually, recently, I've been partnering with one of my patients, one of my ex-patients who's a yoga teacher. And so she does this thing called Yoga Nidra, which is a, a sort of a, a journey through your body. You know, it's one of these guided meditation things. And so I'm putting in the node, the needles for the node of that time. And then she's doing the guided meditation oh, for people. that's a nice combo. Yeah, and people are really digging it. It's fabulous, and it and you can see the energy in the room change. And um, when they come out, everyone is just like very flowy, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So how do you know? I mean, I I'm somewhat familiar with these twenty four nodes, having spent a little time in China, and they will. I mean, that's kind of part of the way they describe things. You know, especially if you're mm -hmm. hanging out with your Tai Chi teacher and he'll be like, oh, it's Dashu. It's the, you know, great heat of summer. And so we have to, you know, do this or that. And, um, but how do you know what the node of a, like a day or a time or a moment is? And then which points to do for that? The nodes are all listed and the points are listed with the nodes in, in the class that I took. Okay. So it's just all on a piece of paper. It's on a chart. Yeah. Okay. So just get your hands on that and you can, uh, I mean, I, I, I like the idea of this, that if you can somehow tap into the residence of the moment, that it could be helpful. Right. Because you're tapping into something that's sort of more powerful than your own knowledge, which, I mean, is kind of tiny uh, compared to the universe. Well, yeah, compared to the universe, it's... Uh, I know it's so small and yet it's all we got. It's all we got to go on. <laughs> I know. We just hang on to it for dear no life. Wonder we worry about apocalypses. <laughs> <laughs> what else did I want to ask you about? 
you have anything you want to ask me? I mean, this is, you know, yeah. this is kind of a, you know, back and forth, you know, it's just the anniversary show. We don't have any like agenda here. We could even just talk about kinds of coffee that we like, but, uh, I remember, you know, prior to sitting down and rolling tape here, you said you had some questions. I do. So I'm, I guess I'm going to start seriously okay. and then work from there. So what is, and I'm going to pronounce it wrong. What is this? Sam? Sam? Oh, Sam. Yeah. We don't know exactly how to Sa pronounce it either. We're looking for okay. someone Korean who can actually uh, set us straight on. I think it's Sam. Okay. Yeah. It looks like that. So tell me about that and, and tell me about your book. Which book? The Sam. Oh, the Sam book. book. Okay. So which book? Oh God, now there's another question. Well, I, I translated one on herbal medicine oh, some nice. years ago. It's not a, it's there's nothing apocalyptic in it, but it is it's 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 a handy book if you're trying to understand formula families. Nice. Yeah. So this um stuff, I first heard about it when I was in Taiwan. A friend of mine told me about it. He'd spend a little time in Korea. And I mean, it was just like part of a passing conversation. And then I went looking for some books on it and, and there weren't that many good books. I, I mean, I got one, but it, it really, it's like the worst acupuncture book I've ever had. And on occasion I'd hear people talk about it, but I, I just couldn't get that much information. So it was this like weird, okay, there's this method and yeah, I don't know, whatever. And then a little while back, this was about a year ago. As, as we're speaking here in the summer of uh, 2019, about a year ago, this cat named Toby Daly decided that he wanted to sponsor some shows on the podcast. And he, we did that. He's got a, an app for food therapy that he made. And he just, you know, he wanted to get into the hands of people, let them know about it. So we were doing, we were working together with him sponsoring some shows. And then I get a copy of the Journal of Chinese Medicine in the middle of all this and I open up the table of contents and there's an article about Sa'am acupuncture and I'm like, Oh, cool. Maybe I'll finally learn something about this thing. I've never been able to find out about. <laughs> and I open up to the page and it says by Toby Daly. And I'm like, shit, <laughs> how many Toby Daly's can there be out there? So I read it and it, was kind of poetic and interesting and I, but I couldn't really grok it. I mean, it just, mm -hmm. it was like, okay, this is interesting. And, and there's some resonances and there's some stuff from the classics and I kind of follow, but you know how it is. Sometimes you, you think you're kind of getting it and then you sit down to, to like double check. Okay. Am I following? And you, and you just like pull up a complete tilt. It's like, I got no idea. <laughs> so that, that's what happened to me. And so, uh, I you know, I called him and I said, Hey, I just read your article. Not that I understand it. I want to have this conversation on the podcast. And, uh, and I, and, and I put him in a headlock and he said, yes. <laughs> so, so, you know, we had, because I wanted to kind of understand it and what better way to understand it than have a conversation with somebody and, and see if they'll explain it to me. So we did that, uh, conversation. I started to use it in clinic. I helped some people and I really caused problems for other patients. I mean, I really took them off the rails. Oh, wow. Right. You know, the thing about acupuncture is harmonizing. No, it's not. Yeah. Well, yes, it is. Right. It can be, but this stuff is not harmonizing. This stuff is the opposite of harmonizing. Wow. I know it really got my attention and it flipped me out too. 
So that led to some other podcast conversations and, and he was kind enough to run through some cases with me. I started, I started to get it after a period of time. So really it was this very organic process of following some curiosity, having some experience, having some very bad experience, and then being able to see where I had made those errors. And eventually I could read through that entire article and it just all snapped to grid. It just, it completely made sense. And so as we were talking one day after doing a podcast, we kind of got the idea, well, gosh, you know, we could probably just keep having conversations like this and do a book. It's like, okay, well, let's do that. So we're, we're in the, we're in the midst of it. We're, we're wow, in the midst that's exciting. of doing that book. Yeah, it is exciting. And it, you know, even if it's a crappy book, it's going to be way better than any other book out there. So, but, but we're looking to make it be a nice book. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. So basically it's going to be the first Sam book. Well, it'll be the first one in, in English by native English speakers. And more importantly, the, the book that I do have, it's this kind of orange, yellow colored thing. It, it will give you like, here's a clinical problem, diarrhea, for example, and then mm -hmm. it'll show you the points, but it doesn't go into the dynamic of what's happening behind it. So, you know, in acupuncture school, we probably all learned about this air quotes here for needle technique that was supposed to cause a chi transfer where you're bringing the chi from the mother into the child and then you turn off the control and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And mm -hmm. I, I remember having it, I won't say I learned it. I remember being taught, but I can't say I ever learned in any way that made sense to me. And, and the reason why the books that are out there are not helpful, at least the ones that I, that I've got is because it would show you what it is, but it didn't go into the dynamic of what's behind it. And so the wonderful mm -hmm. thing about the work that Toby is doing and that we will have in this book is we're going into the dynamic and the dynamic is the interplay and the connection between the Wuxing, the five phases, and the Liu Jing, mm -hmm. the six confirmations, the six Jing. And there's just this way that we can just take and actually fit those two things together in a sense that really mm -hmm. opens up your clinical vision. It gives a whole dimensionality to it that, that, I, that I didn't have before. And that's the mm -hmm. beauty of this method is it gets at the underlying dynamic of why this four needle combination is so flipping powerful. Well, I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah, me too. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. So when is, when is the projected publishing date? Oh man, you, it's tough to ask a book person when their publishing date is. Hey, I'm here to ask the hard questions. I know you're doing a good job. Well, let's say end of this year or early next year. Mm -hmm. That's that, that's what we're shooting for. That's good. Yeah. That's yeah. good. But, you know, I worked in computers for a long time. And so the the date when you decide you're going to have it done and the date it actually gets done can be different. So, you know, we what we're going to do is we got our plan, we got our dates, and everything is according to reality. Hopefully, so long as there's no apocalypses on the way, we'll, we'll have it to you uh, early next year, late this year. Fabulous. Yeah. Well, let's see. Why Missouri? Oh, God. <laughs> Why not? Okay. That's, that's legit. That's legit. No. Um, 
Missouri. Be, I, Missouri because the universe is twisted and because the universe does not understand a negative. I grew up in St. Louis, Missouri. Oh, so you just, this is your no, home. No, 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 no. It's actually not my home. It's my assignment for now, but it's not my home. Yeah. I I left here when I was 18. I was I got family here. I was never coming back. Not coming back. Never coming back. Never coming back. I lived most of my life in Seattle. I lived some of it in Asia. Ten-ish years ago, I was back in Asia. I was working on some translation stuff in Beijing, and that was coming to an end. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, what's next? And there was a girl that I was involved with, and we had a visa process going for her. And uh, visa things take forever. So I was back in China because I wanted to spend time with her. And I was definitely being done in Beijing. And I'm looking for the next thing. What's the next thing? And a, and a friend of mine from St. Louis emails me and says, I've got a clinic here. And I knew his clinic. My mom came to his clinic, right? He had a nice clinic. He said, I'm leaving. I'm going back to the West Coast. I can make it really easy for you to walk into this place. And I said, that's so nice of you. Thank you. But seriously, dude, St. Louis, not doing it. He said, all right, give it some thought. Three days later, the girl's visa to the United States comes through. And I go, okay, okay, fine, fine, fine. I I get it. I get it. There's a door. Okay, fine. So that was 10 years ago. Well, what a gift to just be able to walk into a clinic. Well, like most things the universe gives you, it looked that way. But by the time we got here, it was it was a completely different situation. Still, it worked out okay. That's good. Yeah, no, it, it worked out okay. And really, if I hadn't lived here in Missouri – I wouldn't have felt the kind of isolation that I'd felt that eventually led me to think, hey, what about a podcast talking to Chinese medicine people? So it's it's worked out really nicely. The other thing that's mm -hmm. great about the state of Missouri is this place desperately needs acupuncturists. And so if you want to do the work that we do, and if you want to feel like you're making a, a real contribution, because there just ain't many of us here. Mm -hmm. it's a great place to practice and, it, and it's, it's a way to really help a lot of people that would otherwise not have access to the medicine here. So all y'all's listening out there, state of Missouri would love to have you come here and, and treat people. I mean, I've got people that drive like stupid distances to come see me because there's just nobody around them. Wow. That's pretty amazing. So yeah, it, it's a great opportunity for new practitioners in particular, or just people that like living in a place where the cost of living is ridiculously affordable. Yeah. The coasts are just getting too expensive. Yeah. I eventually got priced out of Seattle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, so that's why Missouri in four seasons, we get snow in the winter. That's fun. Those are all good reasons. Yeah. And especially since you said you were never going to come Oh my back. God. You know, I mean, I was never going to do medicine either. I was never going to do computers. I think of all the things I said, I'm never going to do that. Pretty much everyone has come to fruition. I'm serious. The, the universe <laughs> does not recognize a negation. I mean, if I got anything to tell anybody, universe does not recognize a negation. Be very careful with your language. I'm not kidding. I think it's true. We are not in control. Well, there's that. Sometimes, I think. But we sure like that illusion, don't we? Yeah, sometimes and sometimes we can make little differences. Yeah. Here and there. I mean, what I mean, how do you navigate? I mean, having that sense that this wheel that I've got my hands on may not be connected to anything other than my hands. How do you navigate things? 
in general or specifically? Hmm. Let's start with in general, and then we can go to specifics. Well, so sometimes I'll sort of get a bee in my bonnet about an idea, and I'll kind of toss it around in between the two lobes, so to speak. And then I love the internet because I love looking stuff up. And I have to say, even though social media gets a lot of bad press, I've found a few jobs through Facebook. So for instance, I, I kind of got this idea that I wanted to bring the game Herb Apocalypse to someone other than, um, to a convention. And so I started looking up some Chinese medicine conventions and you know, I ended up contacting PCOM and they had already sold out all their tables, but their president, Jack Miller said, Hey, send me a game and I'll run it by our board. So like for me, you know, I had just gotten this idea, but then there was this other little path that sent Herb Apocalypse somewhere else to someone who wanted to see it. And then I was looking at other conventions and I came across a couple of uh, comic conventions. And so there's a convention, Rose City Comic Con, in the middle of September. And their, their deadline to apply for tables had already closed, but I decided I would ask anyway. And lo and behold, they actually had a few exhibitors' tables left. And so Herb Apocalypse is going to be going to a comic convention in the middle of September. In recent years, the Sa'am acupuncture style has generated significant interest and a loyal and growing following. In the Sa'am approach, a precise diagnosis leads to a four-needle treatment to address the five element and six chi imbalances in the body. The four needles target the controlling and generating cycles. It's common using this method for the needle sensation to be stronger than in many other styles. Thus, the choice of needle becomes important. The Unico brand of needles lends itself to both strong and gentle techniques. These superior needles are made of uncoated Japanese surgical stainless steel and feature the best guide tube on the market with its unique beveled edge. Additionally, Unico needles have a tensile property that helps with freehanding needles into Jingwell points and allows you to more easily feel the arrival of chi. Blue Poppy is the exclusive importer and distributor of Unico needles. Use the code QI2024 to save 10% off Unico needles at www.bluepoppy.com. You'll be glad you did. That's great. You just don't <laughs> take no for an answer, do you? I think I took no for a long time. Mm. Maybe, or maybe it just wasn't time. I did have to take my boards three times. So I guess I don't take no. Yeah. Well, it helps to not take no. Yeah. I think it's really helpful not to take no. You you mentioned something a moment ago that you get an idea and you toss it back and forth between the two lobes of your brain. What does that look like? It mostly looks like this is a really stupid idea. What are you thinking? This could be a great idea what could happen. And then just sort of, I have to brush away the fears and see what the actual truth, you know, what, what the actual reality is. Are there actually any conventions open? You know, what are the dates? Could I do these dates? You know, and just stop making stuff up. Sounds Not like that you, I don't make things up. 
Well, I mean, we all make stuff up. I mean, if you're an artist, you're making stuff up all the time, right? Yeah. I mean, as a practitioner, we make stuff up all the time. Hopefully, our ideas have some measure of connection to the reality that our patients are experiencing. Mm-hmm. You know, but without a creative mind, it would be very difficult to do Chinese medicine. And I think sometimes, you know, patients like to hear sort of little stories about Chinese medicine that explain their condition. You know, so they don't feel like they're the only ones with these these particular symptoms. Yeah. Where sometimes we can put their symptoms in a context that's unique for them. And they kind of go, oh, wow, yeah, you really get it, what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And if you can throw in a symptom that they didn't mention, yes. that they have. Yes. 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 Everyone is happy. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it helps us too because mm-hmm. it, it fills out the picture and uh, and lets you know that you're on track. Hey, uh, you know, again, you're, you've are you been at this 20 years. It's so, isn't it weird saying, yeah, I've been at this 20 years. I'm wondering if you have any advice for new practitioners. You know, one of the big things in our profession these days is, is how difficult it is for new practitioners mm-hmm. and about how, uh, you know, so many people are not practicing five years after school. Of course, nobody looks at the number of lawyers that said, I'm not doing that shit after five Mm -hmm. years. You know, I'd be curious to see those numbers. How many lawyers are not doing law after five years? You know, I mean, we wring our hands about Chinese medicine practitioners not practicing, but I just wonder what it looks like in other um, professions as well. But that's not the point of this question. The point of this question is, what advice would you have for new practitioners? People just, you know, kind of coming out and getting their feet under themselves. You know, that's pretty tricky. I took a pretty roundabout way myself, and I can't really say that I'm successful because I have to do three different jobs. Unless you like doing three different jobs. Right. I mean, do, so be- do you? Do you like three different jobs? I think I do because it, you know, I don't get bored. That's for sure. Okay. Um, so new new practitioners, you know, I have to say, I don't think going for the doctorate makes that much difference. And I know that's terrible. Why is it terrible? Well, just because I know people who are going for the doctorate and, you know, I know some people who have gone through that program and it, it made them personally very happy and proud of themselves. And that's good, you know. But I'm not sure that practitioners who have a doctorate are necessarily helping people more than people who just have a master's and a license. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm in this to help relieve suffering. That's why I'm here. And so find, find an area where you feel like you can do your best work and relieve the most suffering if that's what you're here for. But keep it fresh. I mean, I, I actually love the fact that there's so many, like eLotus has all these, you know, virtual classes that you can take for your CEUs. And sometimes I'll just take a free class, even though I'm not getting credit for it, because you can be, you know, it's the spectrum of all the ways our, our medicine can be practiced. You know, it's from Master Dong. It's, um, you know, there's bleeding. There's the Japanese touch, Dr. Bear. Mm-hmm. You know, I studied for years with Dr. Bear. 
There's just so many ways that we can practice the medicine. And every time you learn a little, a little jam from a different um, modality, that's going to come home to your practice. And there'll be a patient that needs that. Guaranteed. Yeah. You can fit that in. You know, and, and you don't have to learn the whole oeuvre, is that the right word? Um, of, of a modality to get a little gem that you can use. Don't be afraid to be kind of eccentric in your learning. Oh my goodness. I, I mean, one of the benefits of being a Chinese medicine practitioner, I think, is that we can be as eccentric as we want. We can pull from as many different parts of the traditions as we want to. As long as we're the one that can find a way to kind of tie things together and use it right in the clinic, then it's totally valid. And and if you've got the kind of eclectic mind that likes to collage a bunch of stuff together, Chinese medicine is super good for that. And at the same time, I mean, there's people who have specialized in a particular um, school or I mean, I guess modality is not really the right word. And they're very good at what they do. I think that that the the charm of Chinese medicine is that if you're interested in it, it can suit your personal learning style. And we can just keep on getting better and better at what we do. The charm of Chinese medicine. I like that. It's true. Mm -hmm. I think it's really true. And, and why we can work in so many wildly different ways, still get good results. You know, part of it is who the practitioner is and how they're tying it all together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, there's, a, there's an aspect of subjectivity that is essential when practicing this medicine. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at some of your previous guests and realized that I, I know a few of them. Like I know Greg Livingston, he was in my class at Five Branches. Oh, wow. You know, that and was so a while ago, yeah. It's so funny, you know, he went and he lived in Asia for like ever. Um, and I remember at one point, you know, and this was just when we were in school, he said, I don't really like touching people. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that was him. Greg, if you didn't say that, I'm sorry. That's just something I remember, you know, but it's like, he was not, he was like interested in the medicine, but he wasn't interested in practicing. But then he went and lived in Asia and he learned a bunch of stuff and he, you know, he learned the language and, and now he's back and he has an incredibly lovely practice helping people. Yes. And a phenomenal herbalist. And you don't have, I mean, some people love the Japanese acupuncture because they put their hands all over people. Mm -hmm. Herbalist will feel your pulse and look at your tongue and it's like, all right, get out of here. Here's your herbs. Get out of here. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there's something for all of us. Yeah. It's like, you know, do you like to touch people? Well, that's okay. You know, if you don't, there's still ways to practice. Or I, I think the thing that I got from the Dr. Bear stuff is all this palpation. Cause I like to, you know, I, I like to touch. I like to find the point, the Asher point, you know, where the, the channel feels a little sticky or, yeah. you know, just something's funny. Yeah. It's fun stuff. Well, holy smokes. We've been at this for a while. I've, I've got one more question for you. And if you have any others for me, we can, we can get a couple in, but I, I got okay. one more for you. All okay. Right. And it's because you have been at this for 20 years. I've been at this for 20 years. I've been having conversations with, with people like you, people that, you know, where I, I like to think of myself as being in mid career. Yes, right? exactly. 20 years under my belt. I'm in mid career. We, and again, we hear a lot about new practitioners and how to help them and how to get, you know, how to get your practice going. There's something that you don't hear much about, and that is for those of us that have been at it for a while, 
and we're going to be doing it the rest of our lives. Mm-hmm. And we're looking at this like second, you know, this later part of our life. And my question is, how do you see your practice going like from here to retirement? Or what are the considerations that are in your mind about what to be attentive with in your practice so that it supports your life in this next decade or three or four? Well, that's a good question. I mean, I, I kind of hope I just die walking down the street so I don't have to, you know, mess with retirement or being in assisted living or something like that. But, um, other than that, other than like just working forever, I guess I still see my practice as being a sort of a three-way thing, um, with seeing people in clinic with the game. I mean, I would love if it took off, um, I would love to do another 54 herbs and then maybe another game after that. I'm not exactly, you know, the, it's still bouncing between the two lobes of my brain. And then I've also been doing some writing for acupuncture Atlanta, which was a job that I got when I was just paging through Facebook. Uh Uh-huh. Writing. Wait a minute. Didn't someone say that you weren't a very good writer? I'm not a very good writer. Yeah, Yeah, well, that's not true because you're writing for Acupuncture Atlanta. I am. Um, So that must mean you're a good enough writer. I guess I am. And they seem to find that I get enough traffic. And in fact, they said, you know, you need to make your articles a little longer. So now I'm writing about 2,000 words every month. So you're a writer too. Yeah. Yeah. That's the most painful job ever. But it, it appears that you love it to some degree. I mean, I know. what's wrong you know, with me? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't. We attempt to learn what we need to learn. I don't know. We, we like a challenge. Some, somebody once said, you're no good at that. You can't do it. And there's a part that goes, screw you. Watch this. But, you know, all, all art is like that. You know, you, you get this idea, you think it's fantastic, you start implementing it, and then all of a sudden you're a terrible person, you suck, you can't do this. You know, you just, you know, you rock bottom, and then you start crawling up a little bit, and it's like, oh, yes, this can work. And then you start crawling up a little more, and it it's done. It might not be exactly what you thought it was going to be, but you know what? It's done and the work is good. Yes. It's done and the work is good. Yeah. Yeah. There's sometimes there's something in us and it just, you know, it struggles to crawl out and be manifest in the world. Any other questions for me? Oh gosh. What's in your refrigerator? (laughs) I got no idea. Oh no. I've got, I, I'm serious. I, 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 I know there's some butter in there, but, and there's a little bit of smoked salmon, but mostly I don't know what's in the refrigerator because I have this lovely wife who loves to cook. The kitchen is hers, like oh, buddy out sweet. of my damn kitchen. Yeah. Well, I mean, for a long time I resisted it because I, I like to cook and I like to be able to take care of myself and, and stuff like that. But um, it's like, anytime I'm in the kitchen, I'm always like messing it up. Mm-hmm. So some time ago, I finally realized, oh, my God, I'm being cooked delicious, healthy meals. I should stop being so crabby that I'm not allowed in the kitchen. Just sit down at the table and say, thank you, honey. This is so good, which I do now. And 
she loves to cook, taking care of people in her life, which is mainly me and, and her niece who lives mm -hmm. with us. It just gives her a tremendous amount of, of delight. And so I just get out of the way and let her do what she loves to do that way. And so I actually really don't know what's in the refrigerator because I don't really go in the refrigerator. But now we know a lot more about your life and about what you eat. Yeah, I eat really good food. Awesome. She's super picky about what we eat. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been super fun. Thank you for joining me here on this uh, second anniversary show at the beginning of the third year. Holy smokes. Hey, it's a pleasure. Happy birthday to Geological. Happy birthday to Geological. I got the birthday pig right here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> the fire pig in the earth year. That's so good. Well, again, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today. Mm -hmm. and, and all of you out there in listener land, thank you so much for uh, – being a part of this as well, because without the listeners at Geological, there ain't no Geological. So thanks for being along for this ride. And uh, did I mention I like postcards? I think I did mention I like postcards. Thanks, everybody. And thank you, Diana, for uh, being here today. Hey, thanks. Take care. Thanks, as always, for listening. If you liked this conversation, if you learned something new or found a moment of inspired insight, Share the episode with your friends. If you want to support Geological, there's just one way to do that. It's by going to the website and becoming a member or leaving a one-time contribution today. Well, folks, that's it for today. Join us again next Tuesday for another conversation that connects up the voices of our community.